You are listening to The Real Faith Stories Podcast, interviews with people who chose to boldly follow their faith. I'm your host, Brian Robinson. Now, let's meet our guest and hear their story. Judy Weber, welcome to Real Faith Stories. It is great to have you on the program. Thank you, Brian. It's an honor to be here. I want to read something that you shared with me as an introduction. I used to be pro-abortion and what I affectionately call a feminazi. Now I'm pro-life, and while I will always be a woman's advocate, I'm a Jesus advocate first and foremost. As Christians, we're called to think different, act different, be different. I really want to dive into that during our conversation today, but first... Share a little bit about your backstory. Would love to hear it. Well, it's a a long story, so I'll try to be a little bit more concise with it. You've got one minute. (laughs) Uh Uh-oh, I'm in trouble now. (laughs) (laughs) Well, as you and I spoke about offline, I came to know Jesus Christ as a little girl. It was a Sunday night. My mom said, you have another brother. Now, I had three older brothers. My oldest one was 13 years older than me, so he was already married by this time. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, wait a minute, there's another brother we have that I haven't met yet. (laughs) But she explained who Jesus was, and I was in love ever since. And I always felt like he was with me. And so I was raised in the church. But things happen in your life, and by his grace, he actually makes his presence known in your life in big, big ways. And so the first time he showed up really, really big in my life was when I was in college as a freshman. Gosh, I was struggling so much. We didn't do much. I mean, I, I was a, a poor family, so we didn't travel. I didn't go to camping trips. The biggest thing I ever did was stay overnight at a neighbor's house right across the street. So going three hours away for college was very, very scary. And I had struggled with an eating disorder as a young girl. And boy, the stress of going to college made that all the worse. My first semester was a living hell. I mean, I just, it was really, really hard. So I remember one day going in the bathroom. I was a music major, so it was in the music hall. And I was i was crying out to Jesus. I said, Lord, this is not living. Please, Lord, help me. And I was crying. And in walk, in the stall next to me, a girl who was also a music major who was struggling with bulimia. Wow. And as I'm crying, asking him to help me and just like, just lift this from me, she's over there throwing up. And all of a sudden I went from praying for me, for praying for her because she was so skinny and I was fearful for her life. And I don't know what happened. Like I, I walked out of there still dealing with this eating disorder, but somehow feeling lighter, feeling better. And in the weeks to come, I just saw how God was moving in my life. And all of a sudden, the eating disorder lifted and I was living life again, living normally, quote unquote. So that was the first time he showed up really big in my life. I'll just give you one more big story. So now I graduated college. Now I'm marrying my high school sweetheart. This is supposed to be an amazing day, my wedding day. Well, what I didn't know when I was going to college to get myself to be better, you know, make better of myself, his best friend had died in a car crash when we were both still in high school. And he ended up, when I left for college, to get in with the wrong crowd, the drug crowd. Mm -hmm. And little did I know, he was addicted to cocaine. And the night of our wedding, he beat me up. Oh, my gosh. And 
I had been with him for seven years and he never laid a hand on me before. So it was just a weird here. He had been snorting it in the bathroom, whatever. I didn't even know. For seven years. Didn't know it. Uh, well, it was in the last three and I was in college and in the summer I was working. So we didn't really see each other much and he was hanging out with his friends. And I, I don't know, I guess I should, I, I don't say, I guess the red flags were there. I was young and dumb. Long story short, it was a horrible marriage. He was abusive in every way. I was starting to drink, just going down a really, really bad road. And that was in June. We got married on October 27th. God had said, okay. I'm done trying to get your attention. I'm going to get your attention now. Anyway, it was a head-on crash with a drunk driver in the middle of the day. I beat the odds. I survived. The drunk driver did not survive. Even through that, I never lacked faith. Like I knew the only reason I survived was because Jesus had a hand on my life because I did not have a seatbelt mm. on. I was with my mother and we were arguing about which car we were going to take. And if we would have taken her Buick, I have no doubt that we probably wouldn't have made it. I, we got into my Oldsmobile, which as you'll recall, back in the late 80s or even in the 80s had a very sturdy frame and it was a big front yeah. to take the impact from the car. Anyway, so as I was going to the hospital, I had this big gash in my face. Uh, my one finger was almost cut off. Radio knob went into my knee. When I got to the hospital, I, I went blind for a time. And that was pretty darn scary. Yeah. Really just bad. So I'm going to fast forward this story to the end when God really finally got my attention. So imagine I was like week shy of 22. Young girl. I got this big gash in my face. So I was in the shower one day, like a week after the accident, and I'm just washing my face. And I'm crying as I'm washing my face because <laughs> I'm a young girl and I've got this gash in my face. Sure. And my husband walks into the bathroom, tears open the shower curtain, squeezes my face and says, shut up, you B.I. <laughs> and threw me back into the bathtub. Oh, my gosh. He walks out and I'm laying there. The water is pouring into me. And at that moment. Okay, God, I got it. You don't want me here. I'm out. Mm. And so thankfully, I had a beautiful family who I had kept in the dark about all of this. They gladly accepted me back in and said, oh my gosh, why didn't you tell me? And I was just being strong. I didn't want to upset anybody. I didn't want to, you know, I really felt like it was my fault. So if there's anybody listening right now who is in that situation, I know where you're at. And let me tell you, the air smells better. Food tastes better. It's true what they say. You know, you've got to come out of that situation and get help. Mm -hmm. Wow, Judy. I'd like to circle back on your statement I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast that you used to be pro-abortion and you used to be what you affectionately call a feminazi. Yep. When did that mindset shift? What happened? Oh, that is such a great question. Okay, so that was my first God moment in college. My second God moment was what I just described with the cold car accident and the divorce. My time when I think I really came to know Jesus Christ as Lord, even though I loved him all my life, or so I thought, I really didn't know him until my late 30s, early 40s, when I was married to my second husband, who's the father of my three beautiful boys. They're men now, 19, 21, and 24 two of which are in the ministry, all of which love the Lord, praise God. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> They're strong men of the Lord. Absolutely. I'm so, that's the proudest accomplishment I have in my life. <laughs> in a situation where my husband was into pornography, he was a workaholic. I was just so lonely and just 
flailing and floundering. And, and I would, when all the kids were in bed and when my husband would be wherever he was, whatever he was doing, I would go into the master bedroom and just read or ba- master bathroom and just read the Bible. That was my closet. That was my Bible time mm. and cry out to him and say, Lord, I need you. I know you're there. And I don't know if divorce is good or bad and I hate where I am and what am I to do? That's when I started going to Bible study. And that's when I just started realizing for the very first time that all of these Old Testament stories that I had been hearing all my life, and even the New Testament, you know, stories, they weren't just nice stories. They were real and had life application today. And a huge part of bringing me to that mind shift from pro-abortion to pro-life was uh, Christian talk radio. Really? Yeah. I mean, there's so many wonderful pastors who just poured into me through the radio. And finally, the Bible was was alive in a new way. And slowly but surely, God was changing my perspective. And he's still doing it. And I'm just, I'm just so, so thankful. Isn't that amazing, Judy, how you can, as a young girl, have that experience of accepting Jesus Christ, but it can take decades for your mind to be changed and conformed into the image of Christ and his thought process. Yes, yes. It is a, you know, sanctification takes time. And it's painful too, isn't it? Yes, absolutely. And you know what the best sanctifier is? You know, it's a very sanctifying thing to parent. Oh, it is. <laughs> and even now with my boys, you know, I, I call them my boys, but like I said, they're men. I love hanging out with my guys, talking about Jesus, talking about application of how we're to live from our models in the Bible and what that looks like today. I swear, when they come home from college or from wherever, my oldest son is now working in Chicago, it is the best time. And even as they always say, and it's such a neat thing, when they graduated from high school and they had their senior type banquet at church, each of them said, I came to Christ with my family, my mom and my brothers. We came to him together. And that's just a special, a special bond that we have. And it's just precious. It is so precious. I can relate to this, and my wife, Cindy, can. Uh, We have eight children, four boys, four girls, and Mm -hmm. there have been many, as I know you've experienced, midnight, 1 or 2 a.m. conversations about the Lord. Yeah. It's been good. Yeah, and I learned. It's like, wow, I'm not just the wise mom here. My kids have some good things, too, in part, as well. That is for sure. The Transition occurred over a period of time listening to Christian radio, Christian talk radio, right? That's right. Now, was that in conjunction with the mind shift away from, as you call it, being a feminazi? It's slowly but surely. I was a staunch pro-abortionist where it's like, no, no man's going to tell me what to do with my body and this and that. But then I always thought to myself, thank God I never had to make that choice because I really don't think I would have Mm. chosen that. It really took some time for me to realize, wait a minute. Your thought on that is wrong. When I got married the first time, and even the second, I refused to say the word obey because I'm not going to obey a man. That was my thinking. Mm -hmm. And more recently, when I remarried to an awesome guy who actually was raised Jewish and then turned to Christianity when he was in college, which is another awesome story, I gladly said obey because now I got it. 
and I got what that looks like. And it's very different than the rhetoric out there in the world. Yeah. Let's look at that for a moment. You got what that looks like. Where did you see what it looked like? I think it's the more you know Jesus Christ and you know kind of how he thinks and how he operates. And when you allow yourself to really look at that and put aside everything you were raised to think or everything you thought was right and say, okay, great. I thought that was right, but it doesn't really matter what I thought. I need to know what my Lord says is right. Yeah. You say now, as Christians, we're called to think different, act different, be different. What do you mean by that? Yes. Okay. This is really great. I was blessed starting, uh, I guess, several years ago now to be asked to teach for my women's Bible study. And I took that very, very seriously because we're held to a certain standard, right? When we meet the Lord, if you're teaching, you better you know, have done your study and get it right. But one of the things that I felt really called to talk on was this idea of, does your life look different than your neighbor who doesn't believe? Are you not bearing, well, dressing inappropriately? How's that? Are you dressing like a Christian or are you dressing like the world? Are you watching TV that's insane and crazy like the world, or are you being mindful of what you're letting in through your eyes? Are you listening to the club music that we danced to in the 20s, or is the Holy Spirit prompting you to say, what are you doing? I mean, that was me. That was We were talking about this transition Mm -hmm. from pro-abortion to pro-life. That was huge. I loved going out dancing in my 20s. And so when that music would come on, I would relive that heyday, quote-unquote. But the closer I got to Christ— the more the Holy Spirit was saying, what are you doing? Mm. Turn that off. And it was so palpable. I had to, and it made me feel good. I'm like, oh, thank you, Jesus. You're talking to me. Yay. (laughs) Isn't that great? It was an internal conviction as opposed to external. Yes. It came from the inside. And I mourn when I think about, about what I listened to with my kids in the car before I came to Christ. Mm-hmm. You know, but you can't go back and love, love never fails. So he'll cover those mistakes. But yeah, so we have to look different. We have to act different and we think different. Just did a, an Instagram story this morning about, are you teaching your children and grandchildren about discernment? About not taking what we're hearing from people that seem influential as gospel? Are we sifting everything we're receiving through the truth of God's holy word? We can't just be little robots and accepting of whatever anybody in authority, quote unquote, seems to say. We've got to take it through what God says is true. What have you found to be the most direct route to making that transition, to think for yourself and use that filter? Wow, that's a great question. I mean, I see, I, there's so many things that God has done for me. And one of them was when the kids were little, he put this idea of discernment for me to teach them that. And just a quick, quick story. I come from a poor family. Um, I used to think my parents were not bright, but that's because they didn't go to further schooling. And I, I got wise to that, that they were very wise despite their lack of formal schooling. But growing up, I thought they were stupid and I'm embarrassed to say it, but I did. And so I looked up to my teachers very much and pretty much everything they said, I would take in as, oh my goodness, that's true. Mrs. So-and-so said it, it must be true. And then my professor said it and it must be true. And so with that, as I was coming to Christ, 
spirit quickened my soul to say, make sure your kids know to hold every thought captive to Christ and not take even what you say, Judy, as true until they see from study that it is in alignment with what God says to be. That's so strong. Comparing it to what the Word says. Yes, yes. And when you aren't sure, sometimes Bible verses, you know, one to another can seem in conflict, even though we know that it's an inerrant word of the Lord. So you need to take the time to go to him and say, hey, God, I don't get this. And I don't know what to think of this. Mm-hmm. My friends who say they're Christian say this is good, but something doesn't feel right. Help me understand. Yes. I want to seize on that. Something doesn't feel right. There's something that just kind of, it's like a, a little tiny pebble in your shoe. Mm. Something's not right. That is so critical for us, I believe, to pay attention to. There's a reason it doesn't feel right. I have personally often questioned that as, oh, that's just my mind or that's just my flesh. Well, that's okay. God speaks to us in so many different ways to throw up flags, doesn't he? Absolutely. I want to jump on that if I can, Brian, for just a moment. I always tell my clients, my ladies who are looking to learn how to think like a thriving CEO, doing business God's way, that you have to be careful about following your feelings because the Bible tells us our hearts are evil. I mean, we don't want to admit that, but it's true. God says it, so it must be true. So, but there is a difference between a feeling and what we just talked about, this quickening of the spirit. And so the closer, it's kind of hard to describe, but the closer you are to Christ and the more mature you are in your faith, you know the difference. Yeah. And so as people try to press into that space of understanding that quickening as opposed to their feelings, is there a way that you have found as you communicate with your clients to help them understand that and discern that more quickly? I think it's a personal thing. And again, I think it goes to their maturity in the Lord. It surprised me that I would have to say majority of women who love the Lord Jesus Christ have, for whatever reason, hesitated to include him really in their business. And I think it's interesting that there's like this guilt around being ambitious as a Christian somehow that Jesus was poor, therefore I should be poor, or I should be content with what I have, even if it's little, and even if I have these God-given talents and gifts and passions to serve others and help them. So that is a huge stumbling block that I see for Christian women. And, And then I love to point to Proverbs 31 and how that wife and mother of noble character was also a serial entrepreneur who the Bible says had profitable businesses. Specifically, it expressly says that. Mm -hmm. And then they're like, oh, okay, wow, it's not a sin. And I say, no, 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 It's money's not the root of sin. It's the love of money. So we need to be, again, here's the idea again, discerning. Be careful. Words matter and understand what God is telling you and Take what you may have heard growing up or even those beliefs that are now limiting you or holding you back. Are they really truth? Or is it a twisting, a perversion of that truth? And that's where, and I think you would agree, sitting with the Lord and listening and journaling and just being quiet can bring forth so much truth, can't it? 
Absolutely. And that's so hard for someone like me, especially I'm a go, go, go kind of girl. You and I, before we recorded, went to God in prayer. And I just love that. I pray with my clients every session, whether we're in a program or whatever it is that we're doing, we've got to get quiet before the Lord because we can't move. We shouldn't move without looking to him for his guidance and wisdom. You know, this reminds me of one of the key messages that Shay Bynes talks about. Do you know Shay? Oh, no. Uh-uh. She wrote a book called Grace Over Grind, Ooh. and it's about moving in the rhythm of God's grace in your life instead of grinding in your mind or in your effort. That is so good. There's something dramatic in being able to shift away from the grind And for me, it's grinding in my mind. That's my biggest challenge is I overthink. And the Lord is working on me right now in my life to help me release the grinding thoughts and know that he's got this. Amen. Amen. Now, that's interesting. For me, it's not the grind in my mind so much as the grind of doing this, that, this, that, that, that. You know, my my to-do list, I do time block, but my to-do list is... What I want to do in a day really should take many days, but I just keep going and I just keep going. And when my kids come home, they're like, mom, get up from that computer, go take a walk. You know, so that's interesting for me. It's the doing. Yeah. Breathe mom. (laughs) (laughs) Your core message in business and life is this. You said, go all in on who Christ made you to be so you can step into your life's purpose and begin to tap into the awesome potential you have. Let's talk about that. What does going all in look like? What have you seen that's made you say that? Yeah, that is my core message. That is my life message that God has given me. And what I'm saying about that is we women, especially, we are our own worst critic. We say things to ourselves that we would never, ever let anybody say, even to someone we don't like. We need to give ourselves half the grace that we give others. And so what I'm seeing from working with ladies and in my 20 years as a lawyer and being in the C-suite, what I see is that women, we hold ourselves up to this perfect standard, a standard we could never, ever meet. No one can. And so when we consider ourselves less than or not worthy or really sometimes not even valuable, Really, I mean, it's horrible the way the things we say to ourselves and think about ourselves, but that's not who God made you to be, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, he made us wonderfully and perfectly, perfectly imperfect, I tell my ladies. And so when you go to him and say, Lord, I don't want to think of me in this way. I want to know what you think of me and let him explain that you are extraordinary, that you are bold, that you are courageous in him. It's not by your own might, but that is who he made you to be. He gave each of us, I firmly believe, a message and a purpose distinct for us and fitting with the gifts and the talents and the ambitions that he put inside of us. And here's what I think. When we meet our Lord, of course, we want him to say, well done, good and faithful servant. But I don't know if this is true. My mom always told me this. When you meet him, he's going to show you what your life was to be. And at that point, you will see whether you've even begun to tap in to what he had for you. This is where I really think that too many of us play small. 
because we are thinking of ourselves the way we as humans think of ourselves. Oh, I'm too tall. I'm too short. I'm too fat. I'm too thin. I'm too old. I'm too young, whatever that is. And when we just put that aside and say, Lord God, who am I in you? What is your purpose for me? And like Moses, you may think you're not equipped, but go forward with confidence knowing he's got you. Then that is when you're going to walk in your purpose. That is when you're going to amaze even yourself with what gets accomplished, again, by his might and power. How does somebody move out of playing small to walking in their purpose? It all goes back again, Brian, to sitting quietly before the Lord and being open to what he tells you. And especially for my women that are my clients, whether it's one-on-one coaching or something else, where it's like, okay, you have a vision for your business, but I'll bet you dollars to donuts that your vision is nothing compared to God's vision for what he has for you. So you really need to ask him for a download. What is your vision for my life and for my business, Lord? How I can bring you glory in this unique way. And so you've got to be open to hearing it and really sometimes getting your own mind blown when he says, well, here's, here are the thousands of people you're going to impact and here's how you're going to do it. You're like, wait, you want me to get on stages? Oh no, Lord, I don't do that. (laughs) He'll say, "Uh uh-huh, but this is what I call you to. Are you going to step into it and do it afraid or not? Have you ever had the experience, Judy, where you feel like you've heard from the Lord to do something specific, but from a business perspective, it makes no sense but you know the Lord spoke to your heart. I'll talk about this real-life example for me. And I'm not sure if I told you this before, but my twin sister and I had been in business for about two years. We were coaches together. At that time, we coached exclusively women in real estate. Mm -hmm. And then there was a falling out with me and my twin sister, which is a whole other story. And one that if anybody would have said that my twin sister and I couldn't work together, I would say, You don't know us because we never will not be able to do it. But anyway, it was a falling out and we're fine. Praise God. We love each other. But after that, I really had to go before the Lord and say, okay, what do you have for me? I spent a solid two and a half, three months sitting and journaling and praying and reading the Bible saying, what do you have for me, Lord? Mm. And what came up for me was exactly what I'm doing now, working exclusively with women of faith to build businesses of significance. You know, it's not about the million dollars for me. I do aspire to make the million bucks and and that's my goal for 2021, but that is not my primary. I want to make an impact because I know it's a ripple effect. I impact one woman's life. Her life is affected positively forever. Her kids and then her clients and their families and so on and so on. So that idea of stepping into my faith, going all in and putting my faith as a big, big part of my brand, that was something that I resisted for a time. Because it didn't make sense, did it? Yeah. I was like, wait a minute, am I going to be, is there, I don't know, is there a market for this? Like, I love you, Lord, and you're always in my life. You're not, I don't silo you out of any of it, but yet, should I be out front with faith? That was hard for me in the beginning. But when you took that step, what did you experience? When you were upfront about it. Oh my goodness. Women came out of the woodwork, thanking me all over the place with, oh, nobody's ever said this before. I didn't know that 
I could claim Christ as Lord, you know, without apology or feeling like I'm offending or all these different things would come up. And I was just like, oh my gosh, wow, this is crazy, Lord. And then it made me feel even more committed to the mission. And, you know, I have my podcast, She is Extraordinary, because my mission again is for women. Hey, you're extraordinary by God's hand and by his design. And so that is absolutely a movement. She is extraordinary is, is a huge movement that I need all women of faith to embrace, whether the extraordinariness is in business or in your life and your influence there. Just think of where you would not be if you hadn't taken that step of faith to make faith out front in your business. Yeah. You know what I'd be? What's that? I would be one of the masses. You know, the generic business coach that would just blend in. And instead, I am stepping out in faith and I see my clients doing it afraid, knowing that Christ is right there with them. And it's so exciting. What was your biggest fear of making that forward movement and decreeing that in your business? I guess my biggest fear was that I was going to walk down a road that really wasn't where I should be. And that what I wanted to do in helping women, that that would somehow be a stumbling block for that. And I found it to be exactly the opposite. It's amazing the stuff that pops up in your mind and literally in your body, as it were, that will hinder you from taking a step like that, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. As we finish up here, two things. I'd like to ask you first, what is the greatest piece of advice that you feel like you consistently give to your clients. And then I'd like to have you please pray for our listeners. Well, my two catchphrases and mantras, if you will, and I mentioned each of them already, do it afraid and you are perfectly imperfect. And all of that goes into this core message of going all in on who Christ made you to be. He's got this huge plan for you and for your life and the people who will be impacted by it. And we've got to fully embrace that and trust him and say, Lord, I'm ready. Just like Abram. Okay, I don't know where I'm going, but you've called me to it. So here I go. (laughs) That's great. How can people get in touch with you and find out more about what you're doing? Sure. I am all over social, Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, LinkedIn, at at Judy Weber Live. That's J-U-D-Y-W-E-B-E-R Live. My website and I have some business freebies for those in business, is judy-weber.com. And, you know, I've got almost 100 episodes on my She is Extraordinary podcast, and we're all over iTunes, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and the rest. So I would be honored to have them take a listen to that as well. You bet. And I'll include all this in the show notes. So as we finish up here, I'd love to have you pray for the listeners, Judy. I'd be honored. Awesome. Let's pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord. Thank you for this opportunity. You know me, Lord. You know I'm not really a fan of technology per se, but wow, how you are using this technology to bring people to you. And I'm just so honored and grateful to be a part of that voice out there where your truth is being not just spoken, but proclaimed proudly without apology, boldly, Lord, courageously. This world is, you know, we've read in Revelation what is to come. And it feels like we're in the end days. And 
it's kind of a scary thing, but kind of an exciting thing because we know how it ends. Hallelujah, Lord. Thank you, God, for for giving us your word. Thank you for for speaking to us, sometimes louder than others, but help us, Lord, to sit before you quietly so that we could hear your quiet voice that is there spurring us on and guiding us, Lord. We don't want to miss it. I don't want anyone hearing the sound of my voice, Lord, to play it small. I would pray and beg you, Lord, that you would grab their attention, that you would download to them your plan for them and blow their minds with the awesomeness that you have for them. You know, my favorite in my life verse is Ephesians 3.20. Whatever we can imagine, you know, is nothing compared to what you can do. And the crazy thing is, you say in there, that you do it through us. Thank you, Lord, for allowing us to be a part of your amazing work. Lord God, I just thank you. We trust you and we love you. And it's in the mighty name of your son, Jesus, our Lord, we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you, Judy. It was a pleasure having you on the program. Well, thank you, Brian. Thank you so much for having me. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. Please make sure you subscribe to the show and share this with someone you believe would be encouraged and motivated by these stories. Until next time, I'm Brian Robinson reminding you that the greatest decision you could ever make is to ask Jesus Christ to become the Lord of your life. If you haven't done that, read Romans chapter 10 verses 9 through 11. Thanks again for listening.